Well, hope you're having a great Monday evening, everyone. Thank you for spending part of it with us. The Los Angeles Rams are 8-4. and four. They're tied with Seattle atop the NFC West. And if they can win the next three games, they will clinch the division. This is the Coach McVay Show with special guest Les Snead. It's a Week 14 edition previewing Thursday Night Football at SoFi Stadium against the New England Patriots. And Les, welcome. Always enjoy our time together, especially when these conversations occur on a Victory Monday. Yeah, I think uh, I was telling Artis Twyman today that uh, last year, every time I did the show, uh, it was coming off a loss. So if I did it two or three times, it was off a loss. I think this year it's coming off a win. It is always, uh, I guess, a easier, maybe the, the better way to articulate. I'm just in a better you know, mood after a win than a loss. Well, that sounds like something you need to take up with Sean McVay, right? You don't think he was sabotaging your... Your Monday night show. I, I, I certainly, uh, I, I, I don't think he was sabotaging that. I know, you know, so every now and then we, <laughs> you know, we, we can be brother like and, you know, get in the ring and box a little bit like brothers, but I certainly don't think he would, you know, sabotage a game just so my, uh, co- my, uh, guest hosting his show goes awry per se. So I think well, how about we big picture thoughts on, we'll on- give the enemy a credit on that. Go ahead. Well, how about the your big-picture thoughts on yesterday's win? I mean, it comes at a critical juncture and uh, the first of two meetings down the stretch here with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, big-picture, uh, many factors, right? They were uh, – the math was close as we went, went, in, went into it, right? Uh, maybe a, a game separated us, uh, both of us uh, fighting for a shot to play in January. And, and technically – you know, all all of us still fighting for a shot at uh, winning the West. So uh, it was it was kind of a, a triple whammy going on there uh, with yesterday's game. But uh, you know, in December football, it's meaningful. Every game matters. Uh, you know, because the uh, the math is getting squinched up now. There's only four to play, so uh, each win and loss uh, you know weighs a little more this time of year. Doesn't necessarily weigh more than any win or loss uh, at the beginning of the year. It's just uh, all of that's occurred, all of that's in the past, but it, it counts in the standings. And now, now you're you know you're trying to in our case, right, stay ahead, stay in front. No question there. And Les, I think you understand the other element that that gave some magnitude to yesterday's win is the surrounding circumstances with Jared Goff looking to bounce back from a rough performance against the San Francisco 49ers. Did he ever against the Cardinals? How critical was that performance for your quarterback? It, uh, uh, I would go in, for for the QB for any athlete uh, responding like uh, all uh, everyone who's competed uh, in this sport and any other sports going to go through are going to have a tough day at the office right uh, for for many reasons and 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 a lot of times I say that you know give the enemy credit for uh, trying to cause those reasons but how players respond extremely important. Uh, since since I've gotten to know Jared, whether it's it's been here and as simple as, as a bad or or not, uh, let's call it ideal up to standard OTA practice, uh, you know the, the, he has always seemed to respond. I think that dates back to some of his play at, at Cal. So quarterback, a quarterback especially, has got to go through that just because. Uh, that position, uh, you're definitely put under the microscope. You're scrutinized maybe uh, a little bit more than, let's call it, a left guard is scrutinized or, or what have you. So uh, there is a lot of noise uh, 
that is out there when you do uh, struggle to have, uh, you know, one of your better games, and, and you've got to get through that. And, and I think uh, all the great QBs, all the ones that have uh, staying power, lasting power, right, can handle that and, more importantly, respond similar to Jared responded yesterday. That voice is Les Snead, general manager of your Los Angeles Rams, leading the way for us tonight on the Coach McVay Show here on 710 ESPN. And Les, I think what I liked most about that effort with respect to Jared Goff and Sean McVay is that, you know, for all the times we've heard Sean say don't flinch, and he wants that to kind of be the, the positive, confident disposition of his Los Angeles Rams as a culture. They threw it 47 times yesterday. They were not playing not to make mistakes. They were not playing to avoid a loss. They went out in search of a victory, and they slung it all around that yard to do so. Oh, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I think it's very interesting that you make some good points there. And Sean, uh, by nature, our offense by nature is is attack. It, it attempts to. Uh, stress the uh, you know the enemy and the enemy's defensive side of the football. So no matter what happened the week before, yes, you can you definitely got to learn from. You definitely got to apply something, but you're not going to uh, change the DNA of who we are. And and, and I think uh, that was a big part of, of of what we saw. And 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 I also think as a whole, a big picture whole, when 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 a when a team is stressed and every team. Uh, in this league, right? The, the Steelers were undefeated. They lost a few minutes ago, right? They're going to go through a stressful time. And, and, and the teams that learn to handle that stress the best, right? There, there's that element where, uh, you may begin the city. Uh, you would just, we call, I like to call it anti-fragile, right? That, that stress is important with, uh, when we're trying to let's call it build simply build muscle in 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 a weight room per se uh you have to go stress that muscle you can't necessarily talk about it there can't be a lecture or a team meeting there actually has to be an element of stress and you have to go through it to get stronger and uh, that's what uh our team did that's what our offense did that's what sean did that's what uh jared did and that's what we all did uh, over the past week. When I hear you uh, use the word stress, which is so appropriate and apt, I think of the third quarter of the season just completed. Starting from your bye week, the Rams played home to Seattle at a time where many saw the Seahawks as not just the leader of the West, but a Super Bowl contender. At Tampa Bay on Monday Night Football, home to your bitterest rival, the San Francisco 49ers, and then at Arizona. So you play all three division opponents in a road game at Tampa Bay, and they navigate that third quarter at 3-1, and one, and I think many of us who follow the team closely believe it could have, maybe should have been 4-0. and oh. What does it say about this group to be potentially peaking at the right time with those type of results in November and early December? The Somewhere along the way, on, on some whiteboard, there was there was there was. You, you write it, you think it, uh, you talk about it, you discuss it, you articulate it in many ways that somehow, if if you could design your your formula for the year, you would be peaking uh, in December, and, and that's the goal of making. It doesn't always necessarily happen, but I do think it, you 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 just you just list it out those opponents and, 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 and quality opponents and opponents that we're going to see again, opponents that we're, we're not only battling for the division, but battling for, for one of the, the seven spots. So I think when you, when you 
uh, you know, get in the ring with those type performances and, and, and fight contenders, right? That, that's, that's the part of that stress I was talking about. That's, that's real. That's how you get real momentum because when you do, uh, play a hard fault game or you, or you travel all the way across the country to Tampa and, and play a formidable foe. And at the end of the night, you look up and you got more points than them, right? There's a, there's a certain, efficacy that uh you earned it's not it's no longer hope right there's a belief wait a minute we we can we can get in the ring with a quality opponent and, and actually do the things on, on in all three phases to to come out on top on, on top so you know i think that's that's uh and and i go back to this that's that's probably hasn't been mentioned jb and demarco is even as ugly as the uh the loss uh to miami was and and but as as when we dissect that game and and they did some things to us and we didn't handle well and some things spiraled out of control, but they've proven they're going to be a quality team. They're they're going to be in their division hunt down the the stretch and and the same with the with the 49ers, uh, right? The, however that game goes tonight, uh, Buffalo's either going to be in a really really dog fight with with the dolphin team I was just talking about if they lose and if the niners win they're going to be right there with a lot of teams battling for you know at least that seventh or even a, a sixth spot so uh not just those opponents you just talked about but some of the teams we played uh has definitely led to us ha- having this belief efficacy and, and gaining momentum for december yeah i agree there were there were some some seeds of some growing pains, some seeds of some productive gains, I think, in that Miami loss. It's not lost on me that Brian Flores uh, schemed that defensively for the Dolphins. He was your opponent in the Super Bowl nearly two years ago. And here come the Patriots again for Thursday night football. Final question for me in this kind of opening segment lesson, that is, despite the win yesterday, impressive as it was, it left me on this Monday feeling like there's still more out there for this group. I don't think they've necessarily played to their full potential in all three of those phases you mentioned, specifically without a giveaway or a missed kick along the way. And that's part of the reason I'm so bullish about these Rams and their stretch run. Is that sense within the organization as well? Like, hey, we have not reached the top of our potential yet. Yeah, I definitely, you you hit the nail on the head, so to speak, right? You can go to that game yesterday and, and right, we, we got the Cardinals off the field first series, but, uh, you know, had an unfortunate, you know, probably unintentional face mask call. Next play, uh, there's a there's an element of miscommunication defensive backfield. They hit, you know, a long play. But through that first half, right, the, you, our defense was definitely, you know, had the Cardinals number per se, but because of that one miscue, right, it, they were, they were in the game and, and we had time of possession and, and, and was, and, and was only able to get, you know, we, we, we got stopped down, uh, you know, uh, you know, down inside the, the five there. So, uh, was able to hold them, get the punt and get back, but there, you kind of left some things on the table, kind of open up the game, obviously turnovers, uh, like we talked about the week before against the Niners, uh, you know, they play a big, big role in, in momentum shifts in the game and even outcomes in that one yesterday uh, from our punt return team, uh, you know, played a pivotal role. But go back to what we opened this whole thing of how, how did you how did how did we respond? How did we respond from being down seven nothing? How did we respond from having a 10 point lead all of a sudden go to a three point lead offense went right back down the field, got it back to 10 
things like that. You know, we, we, we somewhere in there, like you said, we missed we missed a field goal. You you want to clean that up somewhere in there? We gave up a, a fourth and ten, right? That allowed them to to continue a drive and 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 go down and get seven. So there's a lot of plays in there. But I think when we walk out of that locker room, yes, we're fulfilled. Yes, we're jacked that we went to Arizona and won. But you do come back. And in this case, right, real quickly had to turn it around. But there is that element like, you know what, we're not there yet. We're getting there. And we're just getting started on this Week 14 edition of the Coach McVay Show with our special guest, Les Snead. Coming up, we're going to try and track down DeMarco, MIA, in the opening segment. Doesn't mean we can't get him connected here before we're done with tonight's program. The Rams are 8-4. and four. They're tied with Seattle atop the NFC West, and they prepare to welcome the New England Patriots on Thursday night football at SoFi Stadium. Coming up is Cam Akers taking over as the lead back. Plus, we'll ask Les Snead to break down Jalen Ramsey's performance against Nuke and the Cardinals in yesterday. Yesterday's win. Glad you're with us tonight on 710 ESPN. So many good things. All right, good job, Brock. Put your mask on. I appreciate you. All right, hey, one thing I gotta say: you get a pick to the house, you get a game ball. We're showing. Hey! Hey! showed up all day. wasn't perfect. We got a short week to be able to continue to stay right where we want December football. That was Sean McVay in the postgame locker room in Glendale, Arizona, following a Week 13 victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, Troy Hill in back-to-back weeks has defensive touchdowns. Jared Goff got a game ball as well. Looking forward to talking some defense, including uh, the work in the secondary for Jalen Ramsey and company with Les Need in just a moment. But first, let's welcome you back to the Coach McVay Show with special guest DeMarco Farr. Steve Farr, what's <laughs> up, partner? Guest. What's happening? I finally got this thing to work, man. I had to kick it a few times, but here I am. What's happening? Victory Monday. Isn't 2020 something? Yeah, Victory Monday indeed. Well, uh, Les, look, it never fails, right? We make such a big deal about DeAndre Hopkins and Jalen Ramsey. And then on the first drive, you know, Nuke kind of takes all the attention and good old Dan Arnold's racing 59 yards down the field. But what I love about that play is, is it's the exception that proves the rule, right? It's the play that actually illustrates just how effective this secondary is has been during an otherwise record-breaking season for NFL offense. What did you make of, of that matchup and then also the performance of your secondary in Week 13? Well, probably take, uh, take away the, the, you know, the, the, the Dan Arnold uh, miscommunication there. And, and that one, that, because our secondary has played so well, you know, that one, when you see that happen, you're like, wow. But that, that's, that's rare. Which is, which is a good thing and, and things can happen, you know, especially early in the game and, and, and our teams in there, you know, kind of they're opening 15 plays. But, uh, secondary's played extremely well. Uh, Brandon Staley, his, his staff, uh, you know, Aubrey and, and Coach Idra, they, they've done an unbelievable job teaching that and those guys executing it on Sunday. And then, and then going to Jalen, just the, the ability, uh, Right, and it was, it was one of the reasons we did what we did uh, a year or two ago. Right, uh, was before he was in a Rams uniform. You could watch his heavyweight matches with DeAndre. You could watch him with Antonio Brown. You could watch him versus another team's probably. You know, one of the, let's call it the opponent, the enemy's most dynamic, or one of their more dynamic, one of their more go-to. Uh, you know, eligibles, weapons on offense, and, and, and not going to always shut them down, but definitely bog them down to be able to do that week in and week out. And, and, and 
looking at some of the players he's played against uh, this year, you know, starting with the Cowboys and that group they have, you know, DeAndre yesterday, Mike Evans, DK Metcalf, you know, uh, Stephen Diggs. I mean, he's done a nice job of slowing down the opposing teams, you know, kind of top target. Uh, Les, do you think it is Jalen Ramsey is the secret sauce to the secondary? Because the secondary here has always played pretty well. Uh, the names have changed, but the 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 ability, the production has always been there. But this is on a whole different level. I mean, you are locking down people. I mean, you can't get the ball over your head unless there's a mistake, like you said. Is it Jalen Ramsey bringing that secret sauce to the secondary that's taking these guys to a whole new level? He's a very important uh piece uh you know back there but and, and because him along with Aaron Donald they, they can tilt the field they can change the math they can grab the attention of of the QB or the offensive coordinator right now uh to give everyone else credit right whether it's been uh the will or whether it's uh you know uh, yesterday would 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 Troy Hill whether it's been Jordan Fuller, whether it's been John Johnson and a host of others, Terrell Burgess, when he was healthy rap, when he was, they look, they, they, there's a complimentary thing going on. Jalen helps them uh, or allows them uh, to do their thing, to make plays, but they're the ones that have to go do it right. Uh, Coach Staley, the DB coaches all concoct this mixture back there of how they want that thing to, to work symbiotically. Jalen does his part, huge part, right, because it does change math. But those other players at, in big moments, right, have done their part, uh, not just to bat a ball away, but actually take it away into possession, you know, uh, take Tom Brady off the field when he's driving uh, to win the thing and, and things like that. So I give Jalen credit, but I give his uh, co, uh, his partners back there credit as well. Do you ever think about how each win drives down the cost of acquisition for a player like that? Because you traded away three picks, including two first-rounders, and every step up that ladder means uh, the return that you sent to Jacksonville gets less and less valuable. Uh, you, it, that's a good, uh, definitely a good way to look at it, and, and, and that's, that's the, the nuance and context when you finally sit down and uh, – You've done your research, you've done your analysis, and you're trying to put together a model of, hey, is this a bet we want to take? And and ultimately right then, right, you're, you're betting on some vision for the future of pairing with Jalen Ramsey with uh, an Aaron Donald plus the other, you know, nine that are on the field. And, and knowing also, right, when Jalen came in that we, we – we we traded a Marcus Peters. We we traded a key to lead. But with that right, there was this belief in in Troy Hill and and uh, D Will. Uh, there was a belief in that secondary. So, uh, but what you're doing is somewhat predicting the future. You've got a vision for how that future uh, might work out. So you end up uh, making the bet, and then a lot of people uh, collaborate to to help make that bet come to fruition, whether it's the right the the defensive uh, coaching staff putting together right the you know the the scheme to make it all work, whether it's players uh, and their conscientiousness uh, doing their thing uh, to to learn the defense to learn the opponent to see how this defense affects the opponent and then 
taking their care of their bodies and, and working during the week to go make it all work on Sunday. And, uh, you know, just want to ask you about your D coordinator. Is he the combustible defensive coordinator type? You know, the, the guy that's just bursting at the seams to, to draw it up with the pen to be special on game day, or is he a sit back and let his players play type guy? I think there, I think there's a, there's a, a little bit of both there. Uh, what, what I think, uh, uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I, I think how he would articulate it is it's him and his staff job to do their role, right? To, to figure out something they can do on Sunday, uh, to either take away, you know, the, uh, the opponent's best shot, allow the players to have the best chance to succeed, not only succeed, but right, go, Go and this is part where you kind of say, "Hey, players, go play. Hey, we're we're gonna do this. We're gonna try to do our best to let you know what might be coming, what what their go-to punch is here, or what we want to take away from them to make them dribble it left-handed." But at, at that point in time, though, we're gonna we're gonna unleash uh, we're gonna unleash it to go do that, and, and that's where the the fun and the and the joy of the journey is. He is a general manager of your Los Angeles Rams. He is also the co-host of our latest podcast, Six Ways to Sunday, with a recent episode called Decision Making in Life and Football by an author, mm. Annie Duke, who I'm about to read, actually. Just uh, downloaded that latest book. Looking forward to that and looking forward to the uh, back half of our conversation here on the Coach McVay Show, Week 14 edition, with special guest Les Snead. They're hosting the New England Patriots Thursday Night Football at SoFi Stadium. Coming up, a couple of names you just mentioned, Darius Williams and Troy. Hill in that secondary. They're part of a group that I lovingly refer to as the Scrap Heap All-Stars, and so many of them are playing critical roles in this 2020 season. I want to talk about some of those undrafted players or waiver wire claims that are the glue that puts this roster together. With the man who brought them to Los Angeles, Les Snead, is with us tonight on the Coach McVay Show on 710 ESPN. program. Good evening once again, everyone. Second half of the Coach McVay Show with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the general manager of your Los Angeles Rams, Les Snead. In this final four-game stretch of the season, they're out to win their third division title in the last four years. Do want to talk about that uh, scrap heap all-star group in just a second, but uh, let's start with the first selection of this year's draft class, Les. And last time we spoke to you on this program, uh, the rookies were all showing up in primetime, Monday Night Football, a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And since then, Cam Akers has continued his touchdown streak. He's put together three consecutive games with a score. And yesterday uh, led the team in carries as well, a career high in touches for him. Is he starting to emerge as the lead back of the Los Angeles Rams? You know, I th- he's definitely starting to to emerge, but uh, I, I... I think Sean still likes the uh, the variety that he has. Uh, we, we saw what uh, D Henderson can do uh, when you give him some space. So you know, with a guy to miss, you know, he can he can hit a home run too. But you know, what what you take the, go back to the the San Fran game, and, and he kind of Cam kind of got us back into that game, back into the fight with the with the long run. But I think uh, the last two weeks, the run after that long run and, and the touchdown run. This week, right from from you know, let's call it probably behind the five yard line and being able to take that thing uh, into the end zone. That is a that is a uh, you know what that that's a that's like stealing the base to me because now you don't have to get second and third and goal right. You, you kind of score you score on first and goal. So uh, 
very impressive uh, with all of our guys, right? Uh, the ability to run the football in, in different ways and, and then catch the football. It, right now, it's all about winning. I mean, moving the football uh, production is job number one. Competing to be the number one guy, and I bet that every back wants to be number one. I mean, that's why you're in the NFL. But that's more of an off-season thing, don't you think? Or am I right about that? That's competing for that well, number they, one you know, job as an off-season? Yeah. The good thing about it, right, uh, again, in terms of playing complimentary football, you know, being that basketball team, with that group, right, uh, you got two young players and Daryl and Cam, and, and you really have just a consummate, unselfish professional in Malcolm. But ultimately, no one's right, uh, kind of looking at you sideways and giving you that scale, like, hey, give me the ball. I want the ball. You know, everybody wants the ball, but there's that element of, hey, it's okay if, if you shoot it right now, right? If you're open, take the shot. I'm pulling for you to make it. So, like you said, we, we win the game. That's the neat thing about that group. And, and I do think because they have that individual inner competitiveness, right, to to not necessarily beat the other one out, but, hey, when they do get that opportunity, right, to to do that thing on the field, right, that they love to do, right? They didn't They didn't sign up to be in the orchestra and go play the violin. They, they signed up to say, hey, uh, you know, hand that ball off to me and I'm going to, I'm gonna, uh, you know, do some ballet, some type of dance to make people miss and, and get yards, and, and, and that's the beauty of it. Malcolm Brown's another one of these guys I wanted to talk about. I'm glad you bring his name up. Undrafted and spent the majority of the 2015 season on the practice squad, worked uh, his way all the way up the ranks to where he is now as part of your running back rotation. Some others that I think bear mentioning – Darius Williams, Troy Hill, Justin Hollins had a nice game yesterday. So did Austin Corbett, Troy Reader. These gentlemen, Les, as you know, are, are all players that either went undrafted out of college, uh, were put on the waiver wire by the team that did ultimately give them their chance, or were traded away, were given up on by the team that drafted them along the way. And here they are in Los Angeles playing the best football of their career for the 2020 Rams. In every NFL roster, but especially this one, how integral are talents like those? It, very integral, in that. and I got some cool stories on on, on all of those, and, I, and I'm thinking of one on 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 Troy Hill now. But to answer your big picture question, I, I there there you'll hear us talk about collaboration a lot. The 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 symbiotic nature of of scouting staff working with front office, working with coaching staff, being able to Right, uh, understand the roles and the job descriptions of those roles that the the players uh, utilize. Right, uh, to be able to then have everyone identify, research, acquire. But once you acquire, right, there's an element of development that's got to go into. And, and I give the coaches credit. Right, there's a, I call it the courage to, hey, uh, let your let your kid cross the road, you know, by himself. Right, because and by say that is, that's not easy to do. You may want to hire the babysitter to, to keep holding, you know, the, the kid's hands and walk across the road. But the, the more times you, you allow that to occur, yeah, there's a trust built. And you have to do that, right, when, when we're going to uh, acquire, we're going to use some of the resources uh, for an Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, uh, starting quarterbacks, and many others, is you can't necessarily then rely on uh, veterans with experience to, to fill in, in in different roles, right? You have to uh, we had to do our part of uh, acquiring young players, doing our part in developing, and, and then have the courage to, to right roll 
them out there and, and let them earn the trust. But, uh, that's what we're doing. That's important for how we build it. That's, that's our model. But I, I, each player, and we can go, yeah, I may take up this segment, but you think about it. Uh, we, we, uh, I think we, uh, uh, Troy Hill, it might've been, he was probably with the Patriots with the Bengals that year. It might've been the Bengals that cut him last. Maybe it was the Patriots, uh, but they put him on waivers. We claimed him, uh, probably between week 16 and 17. It was that year we beat Seattle. We went to Napa. And then, uh, unfortunately ended up getting beat, uh, by, uh, San Fran, uh, in, in week 17 to go 7, 9, 18. But I still remember we went to do a private workout with, uh, Marcus Mariota and, and JB being in the Pac 12, uh, Oregon had the other corner that year, very, very, uh, good player, many accolades. And he had the terrible knee injury, maybe at a practice, maybe at a bowl practice. I forget his name. Uh, uh, on the other side there, but when you would watch Oregon, and then that year they probably had Buckner and even Eric Armstead, but you just kept noticing uh, Troy Hill and, and, and a little bit of an unsung player, but boy, did he, like he does now, you felt him on the field because he was a little smaller guy that was going to tackle all those things, but we go work out uh, Marcus Mariota, and Marcus didn't have as many receivers uh, that were draft eligible, so I do remember uh, Troy Hill coming out uh, and, and running routes uh, for Marcus and, and, and seeing that and kind of getting the feel for Troy in that workout setting. And then, you know, a year later or maybe not, maybe a less than a year later, he comes available and, and, and we make the, we make the claim and you never know how that's going to, you just think about that year. Uh, we probably weren't, weren't even in LA then, right? It was still maybe in, in St. Louis it's, it's week 16 and 17. We're out of the hunt. We are fighting to be eight and eight, but, uh, right. What was done from a college scouting staff uh, in previous years came to fruition uh, on that waiver claim, and then through a few, uh, you know, regime changes, the development of Troy Hill, and then and giving him a chance. And each one of these players, and I'll let y'all ask questions on it. Whether it's Austin Corbett, we went and visited him private. Uh, Aaron Cromer went to, you know, spend the day with him uh, at Nevada. You know, same with. With uh, Darius Williams, we brought—he's a non-combine kid. We brought him in on a top thirty uh, so that we could give him a physical and draft him. But because uh, there was bad GMing going on at that time, didn't draft him and tried to get him as a college free agent. Baltimore beat us, but as soon as uh, Baltimore cut him, we we made the claim. And 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 there's many others with a, with a story very similar. Well, this this team and you guys, this 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 front office has come a long way since then. And I was going to speak to you about culture, but you know how it is uh, when final cuts come around, roster composition. Sometimes you have to let go of good players. And how many guys have left you that are still playing in the league uh, around the NFL? So this happens. But speak to the culture of this football team because it seems like this is a destination spot when you do get released and the Rams want you. There's a big smile on your face because. The culture is about winning here. Oh, there, I, I think uh, I think you, you know how that goes, uh, Demarco. Right, you, you, L.A. L.A. for young adolescent uh, male football players. Right, cool place to be. Right. Uh, oh, by the way, the team there, the Rams, right now uh, look to be winning consistently, and also vetting uh, players. Were you know vetting 
our coaching staff, the, the culture that is lived every day by Sean and his staff, uh, definitely gets, uh, you know, if we were doing some of the internet stars and all those ratings, right, they they get thumbs up, right? There would be good comments in in the comment section, and, and that goes a, a long way. So I think yes, when you when we're able to uh, uh, claim a player, and I can't tell you how many times a player gets cut, you know, maybe uh, it could be you know today's waiver wire, and a couple of agents reach out and say, hey, my guy would love to be there, and I think that speaks volumes to to Sean, his staff, the culture they live every day. Uh, with our players, the winning that goes along with it. And uh, so definitely a, a good spot. I believe the corner you were referencing in Oregon was Ifo Ekpreolamu, right? That, I uh, you know what, that is it. And if I would have even <laughs> remembered his name, I would have definitely not been able it's to. It's a tough name to remember, but he was the All-American guy. He might have been number 25. I don't know. I, I, but I, I probably could have got school code. O-R-U-N and jersey number. So for everybody wow. listening, right, there's this, there's this in the scouting world, it has to do with the combine, right? The, uh, uh, the, there's a group, the NFS, National Scouting Service. So National Scouting, so NFS, what? So they basically, uh, independent scouting service, they really uh, manage the, the combine. Jeff Foster's head of that does a nice job. But so school codes are this. It's the the first two letters of the, is the state, so uh, O R, and then the sec, the the third and fourth letters is 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 the is let's call it the school code. So O R U N is University of Oregon, and then O R S T is Oregon State, and then O R maybe P S might be Portland State, right? So if you're in the scouting world, if you can really know every school code. But a lot of times you'll hear us talk about it. Uh, Brandon Staley, you know, he laughs a lot with myself because we'll be in the draft room and these household names, right? And I usually just, uh, you know, I usually discuss the players as as uh, school code and jersey number. Uh, but well, you've done well with some of those ducks, whether it's uh, <laughs> Troy or or Justin Hollins or or Johnny no Munt. There's a few good ones on the uh, on the What about that guy? Rams. You got to love Johnny Munt, right? I mean, Johnny Munt's playing slot receiver at Oregon in whatever spread or whatever they call their offense. I'm sure they had a nickname like all of them do, right? I don't know if you could usually with these guys like let's take big uh Andrews with Baltimore and he was playing the spread in Oakland, right? You could cut up every play played and you may play five see five snaps of Big Andrews playing right with his hand in the dirt on the line of scrimmage. I don't know if you could even find one of those for Johnny Munt. He comes to our place, uh, kind of unsung athletic tight end, had the injuries, but has become one of our toughest, uh, you know, lead blockers, special teamers. Uh, and I say that right because you ne- you're, you're just not projecting Johnny Munt, who's basically a slot receiver at Oregon, to come in and be, you know, really – like our one of our dirty fullback types. So uh, cool stories when you see uh, people like him with the conscientiousness, the passion, the will, uh, right to do what it takes to hey say you know what I want to I want to make a living in, in the NFL. That's a special place to show up and put in a good day's work. Before the top of the hour here on the Coach McVay Show with special guest Les Snead, we will preview Week 14 Thursday night football against the Patriots. Is it or is it not a Super Bowl rematch? We'll ask that question when we continue on 710 ESPN.
you know, every week is a, is a different week. You know, going, going against another good quarterback, um, you know, you, you bring your big boy pass for him. You know, you understand that he's a bigger guy, so you got to prepare for that and, and get ready to um, – when you get your opportunities to, you know, get your hits on him or, or, or get the sacks, you know, make sure you bring your big boy pass. So. That was Rams defensive tackle talking about the next challenge, Cam Newton, who rushed for a couple of scores on Sunday in a blowout of the Chargers. He's – He's running more than ever. In fact, four games with multiple rushing touchdowns, uh, one shy of Corey Dillon's franchise record for the New England Patriots. And, of course, Cam is doing it as a quarterback. As we welcome back to the Coach McVay Show, a special guest, Les Snead. DeMarco, why don't you get us started? Because I know you want to ask about a man lining up right next to Aaron Donald. Uh, yeah, I mean, AD, is he's always top of mind. He's the first guy you watch uh, on game day uh, when you turn on the film or, you know, when you're out there. But uh, a guy that keeps showing up, Les, is, is Sebastian Joseph Day. And he's so infectious, his attitude, his energy, and he's making plays to boot. But the question is, and you would know this better than, than us, is he making plays to make plays or is he making plays to impress Aaron Donald? Because that's what I think. I think he wants to be a part of the group. You know, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question, if I, you know, how I, I bet on that, uh, uh, what, what his, his true motivation uh, is but right he he does a little bit of uh you know for man for for rams uh what do we call it rams media now he's kind of hosting his own little show so right you you want to you probably want to you know instead of just host the show make a few plays but what, what's pretty neat about that whatever the motivation is right uh going back to to Rutgers again non-combine guy but actually had a really good pro day right uh, went to probably the NFL PA game. Maybe it was the uh, East-West shine. I forget that. Had a had a nice all-star game, nice piece of clay. Big man, like you said. Great personality. Unbelievable heart. But in, in all that, right, a, a good athlete for that size. And then you take that athleticism and you, you kind of earn a role, and then you earn that role and, and, you're, and you're playing sound football but then all of a sudden, like you said, DeMarco, there's that element where you go from, right, let's call it being sound in your gap, but all of a sudden uh, tackles for losses, sacks, and batted balls down in, in some crucial situations and knowing when to, when to strike, when to attack. So uh, whatever the motivation is, whether it's to impress AD, so when they're in that defensive line meeting room watching their film together, you know, he can kind of, you know, pat his chest a little bit too. Whatever it is, we're, we're jacked that uh, he's motivated that way and, and it, he's coming along. Well, let's get to the uh, next game on the schedule. It comes early on a Thursday night at SoFi Stadium. Uh, I don't think there's any way to avoid the narrative that it's a Super Bowl 53 rematch, but how do you view this this contest against the Patriots who have changed over so much in terms of personnel? Is there any element of get back in your mind? No, I don't, I don't think that... It, I, it, Obviously, it's a rematch, and I guess a rematch would be defined as it, you know if you if you play someone the next time you play them, it's a rematch. What I do know is if we uh, win on Thursday night, uh, they're still Super Bowl champions for that year, and we're not. So uh, that's that's irrelevant. And but I, I and I and I don't think there's any emotion like if we beat them Thursday night, it, it some it it, it some uh, way takes the the ghost that haunt you every now and then for, for not uh, cashing in on that opportunity. But what I do know uh, for the quest for the, for the 2020 uh, champion, this is, this is a very important game uh, 
for both teams, both organizations as they climb back uh, into, uh, you know, striking distance of getting in the tournament. And obviously we discuss what, you know, our vision is, our goals are. So uh, definitely a rematch. Uh, they're going to they're gonna keep the ring whether uh, we win or not, but it is very important for the 2020 season. And, Les, and, a, and the tournament to follow. Oh, I'm sorry. As a football so, man, I mean, you, you've got to be impressed with what Cam Newton has done, what Belichick has done with Cam Newton. I thought this experiment would be a disaster. Here they are at six and six. So, and Cam Newton looks pretty good. You have to be impressed with him. Oh, I, you again, going from Cam to from Tom to Cam to two different right flavors, two different genres uh, for sure, and, and maybe even 180s. Uh, in the genre. So uh, it just shows you, right, the flexibility of Coach Belichick, his staff to uh, adjust and, and right, make the most of, of uh, the superpowers Cam brings. I do remember being at a, I was, we were, I was in Starkville, Mississippi, and it was the uh, first, uh, first start that Cam had for Auburn, a Thursday night game, Auburn versus Mississippi State. And I remember, uh, obviously, myself being an Auburn alum, some of the intimate people that I still know there, you know, uh, you know, uh, introduced me to Cam, and it felt like you were shaking Dwight Howard's hand. And I was like, wow, this is, I mean, this is, this guy's the QB. And it, it was very interesting in that game. They pro- Cam may have thrown five passes that game, but I guarantee you this, they couldn't tackle him. Just like uh, Aaron Donald said, you got to bring your big boy patch. But I do remember as that season evolved and they got to write Alabama and uh, they're, they're on their way to winning it all. And they got behind by Alabama pretty big. I forget the score right first half. But I know in the second half, uh, Auburn got within striking distance. And I do remember it probably was a big fourth down play. Right, maybe a fourth and four. Instead of, you know, uh, Cam taking the snap and and doing what he's done really well in the past and run, you know, some version of power football from the quarterback position, he dropped back and and maybe threw uh, some type of route to Philip Lutzenkirk, who uh, was a Ram as a CFA for a little bit, passed away in a car wreck. But big, big pass of the evolution of even that year, right, of Cam going from big athlete to affect the game running the football to, oh, by the way, biggest player of the game, and we're going to trust you making the pass. So uh, big fan of Cam, obviously being an Auburn fan, but uh, definitely I uh, hope Aaron and uh, our guys bring the big boy pads and kind of, uh, you know, stifle him a little bit uh, this Thursday night. But it's going to be a tough, tough task because they, they, they do a really nice job of, of running that offense behind them, running the running the football. And I know a lot of teams want to go in the game wanting to stop their run, but for whatever reason, it's hard to do. Patriots coming off a 45-0 shutout of the Chargers. According to Elias, that was the largest road shutout victory by a team playing in the Pacific time zone. So that was a really historic result for them. And less given what they did yesterday, not just running the football, but also scoring twice on special teams, how important would you expect that phase to be on Thursday night between the Rams and the Patriots? Oh, it, uh, very, very important. Uh, right. We've seen, uh, you know, we saw it this week with, you know, a mistake in the, in the return game. We saw it against uh, Miami a little bit that, uh, right. Uh, when you're going to play a formal foe in the game's probably going to be close. Uh, you know, if, if both teams are on point, it, it, it'll be, 
It'll be uh, mistakes or plays made or plays caused by the other team in, in some of those unsung moments, unsung phases of the game. So uh, very, very, uh, very, very important uh, when you play uh, the Patriots to be on point in all three phases. At some point, it's going to happen. All three phases will be playing at a high level. Like you said, I think you said this at the at the top of the show, JB. You're eight and four, and you still haven't played your best game. I mean, that's got to be that's got to be something positive to think about. Yeah, that that's you know that's definitely uh, that's definitely how uh, we see it in the, and how it feels at times and and for us and and that's again and then we have one of the younger football teams uh in the nfl and and with that right we we definitely have some some veterans that uh have been around uh we've we've got a new coordinator on defense so every you know there's they're still gelling and 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 we've got some new pieces on offense so everything's gelling uh at the right time that's what we want to do but ultimately that that's gotten us to now and there's still uh four very important weeks uh, to go, and we have to to keep gelling, to keep improving, to keep, uh, let's call it, trying to play that maximum game for the 2020 Rams. That it'll take uh, mental preparation this week. It'll take, uh, you know, preparation uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of next week to keep it going. So it's not just something that's going to happen on Sunday. Well, you got to stay on point this time of year as as the season gets long and as the games uh, begin to weigh more, or at least the outcomes of those games for sure. Well, to the extent that it is a rematch with the Patriots, I like the uh, secret weapon that the Rams have with them this time who is not able to go in Atlanta, and that would be Cooper Cup. All of us who have always wondered what would have been like if Cooper Cup had been available mm-hmm. that night. Maybe we'll get a a close proxy for that on Thursday Night Football against the New England Patriots. Absolutely cannot wait for that one and for this home stretch with the Rams having everything in front of them and within their own control. For DeMarco Farr, for Les Need, I'm J.B. Long. Gentlemen, have a great rest of your night and a good short week. We'll see you at SoFi Stadium, okay? Sounds good. I'm J.B. Long, and thank you for for listening to this uh, Coach McVay show with special guest Les Need tonight on 710 ESPN.